Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It makes me feel like it's personal, Janelle. It makes me realize that in plural marriage, I don't matter because Christine's just fine with you do what you do. You do you. I'm going to do me. She's really been complaining about the lack of either romance or closeness in the relationship for years. I could start pouring my heart out with poetry that I'm not necessarily feeling, but you know that's, that's going to be short-lived and it feels like sometimes that's what I'm doing because it's a constant pressure. It's really indicative of our crappy relationship, I guess. But you and I don't have a crappy relationship, and yet I'm still being marginalized. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Sister Wives Edition. Wow. Why have we? I mean, this is like, they really, TLC really played the long game with us on Sister Wives. We, as a nation, as a world, as a globe, have been trudging through same storyline after same storyline. And we're still getting that, but these storylines are so much better. And it really, like... I'm upset that it took us 16 seasons to get here, but I'm happy and I'm loving it. Now, is this happiness coming at the expense of, what, almost two dozen people being miserable? Yeah, but if Cody is going to be the most selfish motherfucker in the entire planet and only think about his own happiness, then I'm going to do the same. And so therefore, I'm having a great time. And I hope you guys are as well. Let's get into this episode. It was pretty good, pretty solid. I'm going to give it like an eight out of 10, which is great. Her sister wise is absolute excellent. Um, so we're in New Jersey. Christine is there. Isabel's there. Gwendolyn, truly the whole blonde gang is there for Isabel's surgery. She's staying with her sister, Wendy, who is in a monogamous relationship, but doesn't judge Christine's choices. Christine says that things between she and Cody are basically bad, but she's using this time as kind of a break. <laughs> like, I know I'm going to have to come back and that monster is going to be there with his highlighted blonde hair swinging in his face at any given moment. But for now, I've got other things to focus on. Cody says in a confessional that he can't, can't, 
uh, air quotes. Can you hear the whoosh of the air from the air quotes that I'm using? I hope you can. But he can't be at Isabel's surgery because of COVID. And I think this might be the first time that he is fully admitting that he and Christine are, in his words, having a bit of a rift at the moment. So now we're four minutes in. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding. Oh, oh, ooga. (laughs) Um, Robin cries. She cries. Um, No lead up to this. She hasn't even been featured on the show as of yet. We're just right out the gate with some tears or an attempt to squeeze out a tear at least. And Robin's talking about how COVID's been hard, not just for their family, but for a lot of people. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, Robin. Thank you for telling us that everybody's had a hard time with COVID. Not just you. Can you imagine? It's not just your family that's affected by it. Wow. God, I hate this monster. Anyway, oh, sorry, you guys. Um, She's trying to squeeze out a tear, and it's been so hard. She says she's been depressed, and it's been she's been isolated from other family members, and she wishes that they could just be around Izzy, that they could all be wrapped around Izzy and supporting her. Janelle says that she feels very deeply on an emotional level that they're not there to help Christine, and she knows that it's hard for them. Janelle's exercising a lot of compassion in this episode, particularly when it comes to parenting. And uh, I'll get to that in a second. I think it's very interesting. So anyway, the next day, it's the day of Isabel's surgery. And they're in the car on the way to the hospital. Isabel is wearing a hoodie that she says Cody gave her before to act as a hug, as though what like he gave her his letterman jacket like she's not your girlfriend in the 1950s bro but okay he says it's like a hug and christine says that up until this time cody had been to everything every appointment having to do with her scoliosis whether it was traveling to michigan their appointments in vegas he was there every single time and this is the first time that he's not been able to be around or that he's chosen not to be there, but okay. And Christine says that she had a talk with Isabel about how Cody would be there if it wasn't for COVID. And then she says that on an intellectual, practical level, Izzy, Isabel gets it, but she knows that emotionally it's tearing her apart, but she doesn't want Isabel to dwell on that. And then Christine further explains the details of Isabel's surgery. Whew lightheaded can't I can't take it I, I god bless her god bless that child because I got the heebie-jeebies just thinking about it but she gives us some new information so we all know that they were going to rather than do the traditional surgery of cutting right in directly like down the back they're going to cut into her from the spine but then Christine says oh that they have to collapse a lung in order to better access the spine oh my god I I gotta go. I gotta move. (laughs) I gotta move on. But God bless her again. Isabel's like pretty good. She's in a pretty chatty, silly mood before uh, the surgery. She's talking to the nurses. And then Christine's like, and then she just got wheeled off. And you could just tell that Christine felt really out of control. Christine is a good mother, you guys. Like, I think we all knew this, but she's like a really good mom. And I... It's like she's kind of doing these, like, tandem journeys with herself of, like, really finding her role as a mother through this situation with Isabel, but also finding herself. Is that too deep? 
Is that too deep for sister wives? I don't know. It seems like she's finding a lot of independence and confidence that I haven't noticed in Christine before. And it's kind of refreshing to see. And it's even more refreshing when you know that, like, God, she's no longer with Cody. Just like, "Mm." you know, the rainbow's starting and I can see it in the distance and I'm happy. I'm ready to go down that yellow brick road. I really, really am. Okay, so then we see a flashback of Isabel on her scoliosis journey, like getting into those braces and crying about how it makes her look bigger and it's she's constantly in pain and bruised up. So I don't know if a lot of people knew this, but a little known fact about the sister wives is that they don't have health insurance. And I think Robin does because she's married to Cody, but I think the rest of them are on their own footing the medical expenses for their children and themselves. Yikes. Um, And this kind of goes back to what I was saying about Christine having these like simultaneous journeys because she says that nine months ago, nine months prior to the surgery, Isabel came to her and said, I'm like in all day long constant pain. And that was the moment where Christine decided to look up health insurance and she got it. And that's how Isabel's able to get the surgery. So yeah, I just feel like probably going through that process of getting health insurance is probably more than she's really had to do because like no shade, but Christine's not really had a job. I don't think she's really that invested in the family finances. So I imagine that was very like enlightening for her anyway. Um, so back in Arizona, Cody's talking about, um, he's telling us that he's barely been around Janelle because her sons, Goofus and Gallant, um, have been pussy popping all over Flagstaff with their friends. And he wants to come over to have a conversation with Janelle about them getting back on track. Now I'm emphasizing those two getting back on track because wow, apparently Cody's made some, uh, very black and white, clear-cut choices with regard to Gallant, a.k.a. Garrison. So, first they start talking about how they had considered having Madison and her husband and kids come to visit them in Arizona, but it became logistically impossible. And then she mentions, did we know this? That Hunter was is currently, or, you know, in time with the show, getting his master's in nursing from Johns Hopkins... Dr. Wendy Osefo's college? Where did this come from? I don't keep up with, like, their news, really, because I like to be surprised. <laughs> because I know that they're so boring that I really got to go all in on the show. I can't really get any extraneous information. I mean, I will be, actually, I should mention this now, I am I will be doing a deep dive on the Sister Wives for this week's Patreon you didn't know i do have a patreon i don't really talk about it on these episodes but it comes out one episode a week for a month right yeah (laughs) i'm losing my mind um, one episode a week five dollars a month uh patreon.com slash ebbm podcast i have things like i did the entire bethany ever after series i did Lindsay lohan i did candy's wedding i've done like a four you guys i did a completely psycho four-part series on Alec and Hilaria Baldwin. It's truly unwell, but honestly, they're more unwell, so it's fine. Um, But yeah, we're having a lot of fun, and I'm going to be doing a whole episode on the secrets of the sister wives. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, so he's a Johns Hopkins 
congratulations, Hunter. And uh, Janelle says that because Madison can't come, it's kind of good that at least Hunter's on the East Coast because he's a five-hour drive away from her, and they've been able to, uh, you know, hang out on occasion. Cody says that he's jealous of the family members who aren't really engaging in any sort of COVID protocols. And then in an interview, he says that some of the family are really adamant about preventing exposure, Robin, and some of the other members are really lackadaisical about it. Goofus. Then he says, I'm not seeing two portions of my family, and my family's basically divided up in thirds in a sense. Did you hear that, Mary? Three. He thinks, believes, lives his life as though he only has three wives. And I guarantee you, you're not on the roster. You're not on the bench. You're not even really in the stadium. You're like outside of the stadium trying to give the security guard your pass. And they're like, we don't have your name on here. Um, And then the only real reason why you're getting in is because maybe Solomon sees you as he's walking by the red carpet. And he's like, okay, I know her so she can come in. But baby, three. He said three. I heard three. Y'all heard three, right? I know what three means. I I know that I know what three means. So I just hope that Mary does as well. Anyway, um, so he then breaks it down. If, If we weren't clear about the number three and him saying it, he then breaks it down. He says, Christine's traveling all the time, so he hardly sees her. Janelle has Goofus and Gallon at the house, so he doesn't see her very often. And then he finally admits what we all knew. Finally... Finally, which is that he's staying at Robin's place most of the time, which is still, in my opinion, underscoring the fact that he's staying there all of the time. So let's just say it, you know? Anyway, there was no mention about Mary, just to be clear, Mary, that he didn't mention you, Mary. Okay, didn't even mention Mariah or Audrey, no, not even Mosby, okay? No, no clue. Um, anyway, Janelle then tells Cody that Gallant applied for a mortgage and he's been saving all year. He has enough for the closing costs, but not enough for the down payments. Janelle says that even though Gallant has saved a good chunk of money, he's kind of stuck because the housing market in Flagstaff is really hot. He doesn't have the range for it. So what I'm picking up on at this point is that Janelle is trying to advocate for Gallant to stay in the home while he saves more money. But then she goes on to say that Cody, at some point recently, realized that Gallant has been more social than he initially thought. So I've been calling him Gallant because I know that Goofus, uh, I always forget his name, Garrison and Gabriel. Gabriel (laughs) has been um, just, like, fucking his new girlfriend smoking ditch weed with his like shitty little high school friends or or college friends that are like trying to grow out their mustaches. You know, he doesn't really give a fuck and he's not trying to do any of these protocols that Robin, excuse me, they have made up in order to be able to see the family, right? Gallant had a job. Okay. And so I was giving him credit, but I kind of knew that he was probably fucking up to and like hanging out with his friends. So Cody has now come to that same conclusion. And so he wants Gallant to get the fuck out. (laughs) So he totally wants his child to move out. 
And Janelle's like, you know, I just don't think this is right. Like, he's so close. Why make him spend a whole chunk of money on a rental if he's he could just be here for a little bit longer and save up for the house, right? So then Janelle says she just wants to have her kids have a leg up because the world is a very different place from when she was growing up. And she doesn't want to kick him out. So I, I, they're trying to do this, like, cutesy push-pull. Like, Janelle doesn't really want to fight Cody on this. She wants to nice her way into, like, she wants to soften him up. But it's not happening. He's so cold-blooded. <laughs> I mean, I guess I appreciate that we have more insight into their relationship. Because I thought that they were, like, like Bill and Hillary, right? Where it's very clear that they don't love each other, but they're better as a unit. So they're like, we're just going to keep doing this and going to events. And, you know, occasionally I'll run for president. And that's not shade. I Please. Okay. I voted for her. Um, so, you know, they're like more of a power couple. Like there's a function, right? So I always thought that Cody and Janelle were like that. Like there's not really a whole lot of physical spark between them. But now that he like fully wants his <laughs> son <laughs> to move the fuck out for the better of his relationship with Janelle and also Savannah, but mostly Janelle. I mean, damn, cold blooded. I do feel like this is kind of a surprisingly progressive view from Janelle. Sort of. I, I I like that she said that, you know, we live in a different world. And I think she's right. And I think that, like, parents need to realize that things are really expensive. <laughs> and that not everybody can afford to, you know, live on their own. And we need to maybe rethink that it's okay if you're... 30 and you're at home like it's fine it's fine you know if your parents can afford it you should do that like everybody should be able to take advantage of everybody of every opportunity that they have like you know okay so I I'm kind of surprised that she feels that way I thought she would be maybe a more militant about that not even because she wants to save her relationship with Cody but I don't know. I guess I just thought she was more conservative in that way, but I appreciate it. So back to what I was saying earlier, I kind of always felt like Janelle wanted to have kids, but didn't really want to raise them. And so Christine kind of was doing most of the child rearing of the younger kids or the, well, the older kids uh, while Janelle went back into the workforce. So it's interesting to see her be so like, like stand firm and like I'm choosing my child basically. But also is Goofus staying in that apartment that we learned she had? Why can't Gallant just be there? Like what, what's happening there? I don't know. Cody says that Gallant is an adult and he has to deal with adult things. (laughs) So Janelle tells Cody that they've always historically done things to help their children. Like Madison and Caleb lived with her when they were in Vegas And when they were trying to get established after they got married and Cody's like, you know, I know, but we gave Garrison that launch years ago. So Janelle says, yeah, but also not really because he went into the military. We didn't have to pay for school. And then she says in an interview that the only thing that Garrison really got was a car. Um, And then he paid for his expenses after that. 
clearly she's insinuating that the children, the other children got a lot more than Garrison ended up getting. And so she's saying like, yeah, he like left the nest, but the kids got a lot more financially. So now I'm trying to give it to, I'm trying to give him that security now. Janelle goes on to say that in the beginning with the older kids, they had gone so far as to dip into their own retirement funds to make sure that the other kids were stable. So it's just interesting to me that what 60% of the family had to move to Flagstaff for Dayton because he got into college there. Lest we not forget everybody had to change their entire world for Dayton. Well, really for Robin, but now this kid has to get the fuck out immediately and basically now you're threatening Janelle and saying that your marriage is going to be in jeopardy and his relationship with Savannah is also going to be in jeopardy if he doesn't move out. And you know what? The real thing that he's really fighting this on is because Janelle wants him to like help with the down payment, but he knows his ass can't afford it because they're plunged into debt from all the other dumbass mistakes he's been making. And so now he's really acting like a dick and just being like, well, he's got to figure it out because you don't have any resources to help him. That's real tea. And I hope nobody is interpreting that as like, oh, like he's a broke bitch. Well, he is. He is a broke bitch. I'm not saying that everybody should have the resources to help their children with a down payment on their house. Like that's ridiculous. I'm saying this specific short dicked man is acting insecure. He's acting out because he's insecure because he knows that he can't help. He knows that he can't do what Janelle's asking. And so now he's acting like Johnny Hardass because of it. So Cody says that Gallant is not maintaining the standards for social distancing and it's affecting his relationship with Janelle and Savannah. No mention of his relationship with Goofus. Let the record reflect. In a confessional, Cody says that he wants to see all of his children, but Savannah and Janelle are not the ones that they're keeping him away. It's Goofus and Gallant and those choices are affecting him. So now Janelle has to choose between Cody and the boys and he feels like She's choosing the boys. Now, he feels clearly, like, the way he's saying this makes us believe that he wants us to feel bad for him. And (laughs) that's going to be a no from me, dog. Um, Who else is laughing is Janelle. But she's laughing in that way where she's clearly trying to keep things light with Cody. And Cody does call her out on that. And he says, I can tell by your body language, like, what you're trying to say. And you're saying that you're going to let your babies run your household. Why is it so, like, extreme with him? This is, like, really gross, right? Like, I feel like he's dipping into misogyny more than he usually does. It's feeling a little thicker than usual. So Janelle says, yeah, I feel like my kids are at the center of my world and that's sort of a part of a plural marriage and kind of Cody kind of laughs like, like ironically. And he says, well, I don't think that this has to be a part of plural marriage. Janelle says in an interview that at least for me in plural marriage, I learned early on not to make my world center around Cody. And that was just part of my lifestyle. My focus has really always been on my kids because I didn't have a husband that was home every single night and I had to be a lot more independent and 
focused on the kids. Then we cut to Robin, who says that she feels like you shouldn't have to choose, that the husband and the kids are equal, and she doesn't think about putting one ahead of the other, and it's a hard balance at sometimes, but it's an important balance to strike. And then Mary says, I don't know why they asked her, but she says that she still wants to have a good relationship with Cody, despite the fact that it's distant and estranged, and she couldn't even say that. And it made me feel so sad for her. Like she had to find the best possible rosiest wording for it. And still distant and estranged was the best she could come up with. Um, And she also says that she feels like you shouldn't have to choose. And then Christine says flat out, the kids are more important than her relationship with Cody. A hundred percent. (laughs) I would do anything for my kids and they've really been my companions throughout my life. And yeah, I I agree. So then Cody says that Christine gave him an ultimatum. He tells that to Janelle that she gave him an ultimatum, which was basically she wasn't going to be conforming to any sort of COVID protocols unless they could do it in a way that gets the whole family together. So all or nothing. And he says in an interview that he feels like he and Christine are in totally two totally different places and that she's not putting any effort into having him around anymore and let the church say amen. Okay. (laughs) So then Cody tells Janelle that if she wants to play Christine's game, then he gets it, but he doesn't think it's fair to their relationship. (laughs) You manipulative little bitch. Like, (laughs) well, if that's what you want to do, if you want to be like Christine, the other woman that I'm treating horrifically because I've decided that I don't want to fuck her anymore, um, then I guess we can do that. But I feel like it would be really damaging to our relationship. You know? (laughs) What a dick. And then Janelle says, well, it's not fair. And I've been hating being away from you for like six or eight weeks because sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I wonder if it's personal while you're there. And then Cody's like, well, yeah, I wonder if it's personal too. And it's just made me realize that in plural marriage, I just don't matter because Christine's just fine with like, you do you and I'm going to do me. (laughs) Victim, victim, victim. Where is a therapist? (laughs) Where is a psychologist, a family therapist? I don't care if you get Amber's from Teen Mom's weird ass child psychiatrist that she seems to think is a psychologist. He's not. I don't even know why you're seeing him because he works with children and you're like 30 something. But anyway, even get him on the line. Why does no, why does he not? What, what is this? What's wrong with him? What's wrong with him? Like, I'm a Pisces, and I know that this is, like, some really pathetic shit. And, like, you're not always the victim. But he, in his mind, well, I I just realized that nobody loves me and that I'm not really a factor at all. And I'm being marginalized, and Christine's marginalizing me, and I hope that you, Janelle, don't marginalize me, because then I'm just going to have to... Day when I'm doing what I'm still doing, which is being in a monogamous relationship, and then sometimes I get to fuck you. So if I'm not going to get to fuck you, 
then I just feel like we're not going to have a sustainable relationship. And it's all Gallant's fault. So get him out so that I can continue to have sex with you. And then maybe I'll hang out with Savannah sometimes too. He's a monster. What is wrong with him? Then this idiot says in a confessional that Christine's been complaining about the lack of closeness in our relationship, that bitch. She doesn't like it that I don't love her anymore. What? <laughs> oh what? And then he basically, again, tries to talk about how he's a victim of this because the more she complains about it, the more she opens that mouth of hers about how dissatisfied she is, the less it makes me want to do it. <laughs> and so I'm a victim. I'm the victim. Then he says that, like, basically she expects him to pour his heart out with poetry, and he's not really feeling that. So if he were to do it, it would just be a short-lived thing anyway. And so basically, like, I don't like her. Like, she wants to sing for me, but I don't even feel that thing. So I don't even want to fake a funk with her. And she keeps complaining about it. Can you imagine? Can you, can you believe that she doesn't like that I don't love her? And that it keeps coming up in conversation. I don't know. Probably because you're married, Cody. You think that might be why she's unhappy with you not acting like a married couple? I, gee, I think we may have cracked the case, Scooby-Doo. You think she might also be upset about the fact that she can see you in two happy or at least functional relationships and you can't seem to get it up for her? You think that might be, I don't know, affecting her self-esteem? <laughs> Gee, I wonder. Anyway, Cody says, he tells Janelle that he feels a separation. And he feels like the separation between he and Christine is more indicative of their crappy relationship. But he doesn't have that with Janelle. But it still feels like a separation in the same way with Christine. Like, I still like you, but I feel like we're acting like I am with Christine. But he tells Janelle that with regards to them, that if they have a good relationship, that he wants to protect that. And then Cody straight up tells Janelle that some people in this family either need to be in and complying with the COVID standards or they're out. We're going by um, Project Runway rules. He's a, mm. So then Cody yells in a confessional, I'm a polygamist. It's, I did crazy shit to get into heaven and I'm going to do some crazy stuff to prevent anybody from getting there early, okay? <laughs> okay, does anybody at all, like, lap this bullshit up? Like, do people, are there people who like Cody? There's got to be like three, right? Like, three fans of his. I can't believe it. I really can't. <laughs> I can't. So, Janelle then says, you know, I I know that I can't stay away. Like, I can't stay away from you much longer, and I'm heartbroken about my boys, and I don't know what to do. So, Cody somehow interprets this event victim as her stonewalling him and says, well... She basically wants Cody to soften so that he'll come back home. But he's not going to do that. So they're not getting anywhere. So he's just done. And he literally walks away from her. <laughs> and into his truck. And, and back to his home. With Sponge, Spongebob Squarejaw over there. So then he says in an interview that Pearl marriage is a struggle. And a hard thing. 
And you know what? He's not ahead of this family. And then he says, you know, I'm the head of the household in some places, but I'm just not one right here. And that's not the deal we made when we got married. <laughs> oh, no. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Back in New Jersey, Christine says Isabel's surgery ended up taking two hours longer. It was more complicated than they thought it would be initially, but it ultimately went well. And the doctor shows uh, x-rays of her spine before and after, and it they were able to get it from like over 50% curve to 15%, which is what they were hoping for. So everything went really great. And then we see Isabel after surgery, and, you know, she's loopy. She's like, oh, did I get a killer scar? Like, maybe they should have cut me out longer <laughs> to make it really cool. And she keeps asking Christine to call Cody, call her dad, and tell him that she misses him. And surprisingly, Christine doesn't say, she does say that she knows that, Chris, that Cody would be at surgery if he could. And so it's kind of a bittersweet moment. And then the next day, Christine says that she and Isabel were up all night. Isabel was in way more pain than she had ever been pre-surgery. She kept asking for Cody, and it was just really rough. And the nurse was explaining, you know, because she's on these pain medications, she's not really, like, connecting what you're telling her. So she's going to keep asking you the same question over and over because she isn't hearing you. And so that was their night. And... 
Yeah, she says that they have to be in the ha- in the hospital for five days, and that they have a bunch of like benchmarks that they have to get to. So she, Isabel, needs to be able to get up out of the bed on her own. She needs to be able to, at the end of the five days, walk to this map that's kind of like a goalpost for the people. So it's, there's a map, and if you're able to get to the point where you're able to walk because it's like down a few halls and past some doors then you can put your sticker up where you live on the map of america and then you get to go home so ultimately they have 10 days left in their trip five of which are going to have to be at the hospital making sure that isabel is healed up enough and christine's saying that she's really worried because like what if it's you know like we have to go home so (laughs) she was just very worried about the trip the next we are back in Arizona and we get B-roll of like nothing. Just empty, in a forest, nobody around, no one to hear you scream, no one to hear you cry, um, no one to hear the swishing of the LuLaRoe fabric against your thighs. And I knew in that moment that this was a Mary scene. I knew it. So she says that she likes to go on this trail because she likes to go hiking and clear her mind I don't know from what because she's not doing anything or seeing anybody, anybody. But anyway, she says that the family hasn't really been spending a whole lot of time together. And it's weird. Like, is it? (laughs) Because I feel like before they moved out of Vegas, everybody was acting like Mary's house was like the scary witch, you know, in the cat in the cul-de-sac because nobody was going over there. And like she was just like housing you know, airport bottle or airplane bottle size things of Moscato, you know? Anyway. Um, Ooh, guys, Mary is kind of gently leaning into TikTok culture a little bit. She's keeping it on Instagram, but she's clearly like seeing TikTok trends on her Instagram and she's recreating them. She's doing a lot of uh, voiceovers um, a lot of like mimicry and it's, it's, it is, it is. Anyway, in a confessional, Mary goes on to say, it's lonely. I live alone. And then she starts tearing up and she says that she misses her family. So in a confessional, Christine says that if she didn't have her daughters during COVID, she's sure that she would have gone insane. Robin says she also feels lonely because she separated from other family members, parents, friends, etc. And then Janelle says that she does try to text and call Mary, but not as often as she knows she should. It's not regular, not even every week. But she does say that she and Christine do keep in touch quite a bit and they've hung out during this moment. And Cody says that he feels like part of polygamy, part of this marriage should have been that you never really feel true loneliness, but the way things have shaken up in their family, it's not necessarily true for them. And then he says his relationship with Mary is not the kind where he would talk to her every day. And that his best guess is that the sister wives don't really want to have an everyday interaction with her either. That's interesting. What? Oh, I would like, why didn't they ask what makes you feel that way? Uh, why do you feel that? Like Christine clearly feels that way. And she said 
when they were dividing up those lots, I don't want to live next to Mary, straight up. Not even going to fake the funk on that. I want to hear more about that. I feel like, have we ever really discussed why Mary and Christine don't like each other? I don't think so. Not not that I can recall. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was, like, why do you feel that way? Like, what did Robin say is the real question. What has Robin said lately? Mm. Back to Mary filming herself. She starts off by saying that Cody and I, and then she trails off and kind of rolls her eyes and she's like, Cody and I, <laughs> oh, Cody and I, we had a conversation recently where we decided we're just friends. And then she kind of looks off in the distance and says, it's a good thing. But I don't know. I guess I have hope for more than that. In a confessional, Mary says that Cody recently told her or led her to believe rather that there are there's no repairing their relationship. Did it, what led you to believe that? Was it him saying that there's no repairing their relationship? (laughs) Was it, was it when you went on your uh, anniversary depressing picnic and he was like, yeah, I'm not coming for you. Like you're waiting for me, but I'm not coming. Was it that could have been so many moments. I'm not sure why only now you're picking up on that. But anyway, um, She says that there are some days where she's discouraged, but then there are other days where she has a lot of hope. Okay. Mary then tells the camera that if she quits, if she quits and she walks away, then it's not going to get any better. And then she says, I'm not going anywhere. You're all stuck with me. (laughs) And then she keeps laughing and she's like, whether you like it or not. (laughs) She's saying this while filming herself alone in a forest like these look like evidence tapes these are the kind of scenes and clips that are going to come back in a documentary like in a four-part series on netflix girl so i would just be careful because she's really heavy on the eyeliner and it doesn't help you know normalizing the situation that's not helping so it appears as though we're just like not going to use the word catfishing to talk about mary's incident from a few years ago anymore so in a confessional she's like you know even though I went through a dark spot and they show footage of her like typing on a computer a little wink to the audience if you will (laughs) even though she went through her real dark spot um she feels like because of that because Mary was seeking out others on the internet that it really made the rest of the family feel like Mary probably wasn't going to be staying for very long. And she says that at that time, during that time, she considered all her options. Like she put it all out there. She says, I thought about leaving. I thought about going to do my thing, but this is where I'm at. And then Mary says that she wishes that the family had had a lot more interaction with each other. And then she reveals like the sad sack that she is that she has unconditional love and basically only two people in the family. And that those people are Solomon and Ariella Robin's two kids, the two, the two babies. Those are the only people (laughs) that still really love her. And then she starts to cry about her love for them. And 
she says that she misses them so much. And then they get Robin in an interview and says that Mary shows a lot of interest in being around the kids and that they love her too. <laughs> she shows a lot of interest in being around them. <laughs> okay. She doesn't, we don't let that happen, but she, she's expressed it. I've, I've got a lot of text messages that I don't respond to, but I see them. Okay. Yeah. I, I left, I leave her on red. Um, so then Mary says in a confessional that uh, she's got some really good relationships within the family, some that are rocky and some that are basically non-existent. And she says she wants to have a relationship with Cody where they don't go for a week without acknowledging each other. And overall, she feels like her family is better than what they're doing right now. Like they're better than this. In a confessional, he says that he has four wives that are not communicating with each other and they're mad about it, but they're not expressing that to the other ones by, you know, they're not picking up the phone. They're not using video media (laughs) to talk to each other. And he says, COVID has released this and we're a sad, sorry little people. (laughs) Do you guys remember King Curtis with the chicken nuggets? Y'all are, y'all are my kind of people. I know you do. She's acting like she's a princess and we're just the sorry people. I love him. <laughs> I know in my minds, in my heart of hearts, that King Curtis probably grew up to be an insurrectionist. I know that to be true. But sometimes you got to just, you know, enjoy what you had and move on. Just keep the memory in you. Anyway, shout out to King Curtis. I'm going to get some chicken nuggets later. Um, So then we're back in New Jersey, back at the hospital. It's... We're now at day six of her being in the hospital and she's got to take that map walk. So she's able to do it. Hooray. She's able to put her initials over Flagstaff. She's the only one to get her surgery there. Hooray for you, sis. And Christine says that there have been a lot of like, not complications, but difficulties or maybe things that they didn't expect that during the entire five days of Isabel being in the hospital, She's been working with the doctors on a pain management plan for Isabel because she's really in pain, like way more than she's ever been before. Like can't see that things are going to get better on the other side kind of pain. Like she's miserable. Um, And she says she's feeling kind of insecure, Christine, because she feels like she's not going to be able to give Isabel the kind of help that the hospital is going to be able to give her. So they give Christine, they're in the car on their way home or on their way back to her sister's home. And she's filming herself in the car and she holds up a package of all the medications that Isabel has to take. And it was like a standard pillowcase size with bottles of pills in it. She said that they gave her a whole like booklet of medications and making sure that she doesn't uh you know combine mix this pill with that one because they'll have bad interactions with each other and how overwhelming all of that is and then they drive to her sister's house we don't even see the footage but christine tells us that it was so bad for isabel that ride that every moment that wasn't smooth sailing every bump every turn was just like she was screaming out in pain And then they are able to get back to the house and we find out that her oldest daughter, Aspen, her husband, Mitch and Hunter from Johns Hopkins was able to come to New Jersey 
to support Isabel, be there for her, hang out and stuff. You can tell that Isabel is so happy that they're there and she's really happy to be hanging out with her family. And you could tell that it really, really made it things a lot better for her. So to explain why they're not, you know, why they're there, Christine says that prior to Aspen, Mitch and Hunter getting there, she had a long talk with them about being socially distant leading up to coming to New Jersey. And then Christine says, was it a smart thing to do on paper? No, but the look in, Isabel's eyes and how happy she was was worth it. I'm going to say at the, on this one even thinking that this was like August or September, I'm on her side. One, we as a nation were feeling a lot better cuz the numbers were dropping. Two, these are adult kids. Three, of course, I'm positive they had to covid test prior to being able to film. And also I just feel like they're adults. He's a nurse. He understands how hard things are. She's, you know, I, I just feel like they were probably made sure to be really careful. So I'm going to give them the pass. And honestly, Isabel looked really so happy. And, you know, her daddy's over there playing footsie with Robin. You know, you know, Robin wears fuzzy socks. And I don't mean to diss those people that do, but you know, she does. And I bet she, she's like, I bet Robin's like constantly complaining about how cold her feet are. You know, she's that kind of girl. Sorry. Then Isabel shows her uh, siblings her scar and it's quite large. And I like about cried when you get your hunter say, oh my God, you look like one of those Amazon women. Like you're so tall and you're so beautiful. And that was his first reaction to seeing her scar and it was just so I think he's gonna be a good nurse do we like Hunter I think I think Hunter I don't think Hunter and I align politically but uh, you know he was being very nice to his sister and that's all that matters in this moment in a confessional Christine says that this is a moment that they'll remember for the rest of their lives and she didn't know how much she and Isabel needed them until they were there Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There. So, then we get to our final scene. And Christine and the girls are back in Flagstaff. And the rest of the, you know, the wives and Cody are going to come over to catch up. So Cody asks Christine how she's doing. And she's like, oh, I'm kind of exhausted. And so he's like, oh, is it jet lag? And then should we find out that she you know, because of uh, Isabel's pain, 
She has to wake up every two hours to get medication. And so Christine has to wake up every two hours to get medic- give her the medication. And it's just been really exhausting. Of course, Cody is not the one asking if he can help. When Janelle hears it, she says she like offers. She straight up offers. And she says in a confessional that when Maddie was a kid, she had gotten her appendix out. And so she was on that same schedule of having to get up every few hours. So she's like really legitimately serious when she offers for the help because she knows how grueling it can be. She even offers Christine to sleep in the tent in a yard, sleep in a tent in the yard um, and only come inside to give medication. So Christine says you know, we're actually trying to wean Isabel off of certain medications. And she says that if Isabel knew how exhausted she was, (laughs) that she would feel really bad, but she feels guilty that she's complaining because this is her job as a mother. Then we get this weird confessional of Robin who seems tired or even pretty annoyed And she says that even that there's still social distancing because with everything going on with COVID and because of the fact that some of the family decided not to be united on this. But yeah, anyway, uh, what, where did this come from? A little spicy. Um, Isabel comes out to chat with the, her parents and, The first thing that Cody says, the first thing that he seems to be concerned about is how tall she got from the spine straightening. And she's like, oh, you know, it actually ended up being an inch and how she thought that before surgery, she was 5'11". But then she learned that she is now 5'11". Cody, this sick fuck, completely perked up. And he's like, well, uh, yeah, you know, because you definitely weren't taller than me before, but like maybe now we're equal or maybe you're a little taller now. And in a confessional, Robin says that there's this weird thing that happens. And I feel like a lot of the kids are competitive and the moms are really competitive. And I don't know if it's polygamy or if it's just a sense of competition with the family that's been fostered. But, you know, height is one of those things that they're really competitive about. And I don't really like to participate in that kind of stuff. But the family has it about, a you know, there's a million things that they're competitive about in this family. And I would just like to circle back to her saying that this was a competition between the kids and the moms because it's definitely just Cody. <laughs> like, why are we even pretending? Like, I've never once heard the moms express any sort of competition amongst the children or pride, mom pride. Every, all of this is Cody. All of, girl. So now finally Cody's ego has been sufficiently stroked and now he's able to ask Isabel how she's feeling. Now we can get to that. And she keeps it very light and bright. And in a confessional, Janelle says that Isabel is one of those kids. She's always been one of those kids that's been really happy and smiling. And, but she can tell she's in, in pain. So then Isabel shows the other moms a scar and they're like, oh, you know, we were surprised it was a little bit bigger than we thought it would. But then Robin says something weird like, oh, you know, she's this beautiful girl and she's got this big scar and now she's got a story to tell. Like, fuck you, bitch. (laughs) What do you mean? 
take a nap, girl. You, apparently, ma'am, you have plenty of time to nap the day away and think of something less mean than that since you've got help, as we find out next week. Bitch. Speaking of bitches, Cody then says in a confessional that he would really have preferred that they had waited so that he could go to Isabel's surgery. But then he tries to be shady and is like, you know, we just agreed. Well, we finally agreed. Well, they decided and I agreed that it was a good time to get done. Get it done. Nobody gives a fuck. Okay, yeah, they decided and you agreed. They decided that, you know, it was probably more important that this child not be in pain 24-7 with everything that she does, like breathing, than you being there and being able to, like, stroke your dick over being Captain Daddy for your daughter. I mean, I know that was, like, a disgusting comparison, and I apologize, but, like, really... The the man's need to be like this alpha, his ego is so, he's so ego driven, he's so manipulative, he's so weird, and he doesn't really care about Isabel. He cares about being there for Isabel so that he can look like a good dad. And now he's like, ugh. Like, he can't even help but, like, roll his eyes over the fact that they decided to do this so he couldn't have his moment. That's what he's, like, annoyed by. He's sick. Christine then tells an anecdote about how when they were at the hospital, she tells this to the whole parents, Isabel's there, Cody's there, and he's, like, gritting his teeth smiling like he thinks this is a cute story and Christine is clearly telling this story because she wants him to know that he wasn't there when he should have been but she doesn't really want to say that but she's letting him know and really ostensibly she's letting Robin know too I know that it's a two for one special anyway she tells a story about how when they were at the hospital one of the nurses or doctor or something mentioned like Oh, like your husband's there, her dad's there, whatever. And Christine had to say, oh, he's not there because of COVID. And the nurse or doctor was like, oh, hmm. Well, she's not going to remember this. So there's a silver lining. (laughs) And then Christine goes on to say that every couple minutes, Isabel was asking for her daddy. And she tries to joke about how, like, you know, I just kept telling her, like, it's just me. It's just me. Like, you're just going to be have to be happy with me and um, be okay with it. And Christine says in a confessional that she's trying to make light of the situation because Isabel really didn't remember anything anyway. Like, at, at the end of the day, she really doesn't remember. Um, Isabel goes back inside and Cody kind of half-heartedly asks if he can help escort her back in and they're both like Isabel and Christine are both like, no, it's okay. Like I'm a single mother now. So I got it. And, uh, in a confessional, Cody says that Christine has perpetually been by Isabel's side. And when you're nursing someone back to health, you need breaks too. But Christine hasn't been able to do that. She's not been able to have any sort of relief or to have somebody come in and bear the burden because he hasn't been there to help. Now, Here's a here's a thing that we could have thought of. While Christine was gone, maybe you could have taken those two weeks leading up to her to doing your own social distancing so that it would have been fine when you came back. And then you could have helped. 
that would have been the thing that a supportive parent who's like, okay, I can't be here for the first leg, but I can figure out a way to help you out in the end part at least. And he didn't even think to do that. Interesting. So after mother and father, Christine, go back, um, they come back outside to talk to the family and Cody asks if Isabel's in a good mood. She's like, well, only because she's been able to see you guys. She's been putting on a happy face. Faking it because she's in a lot of pain. But Christine says in a confessional that she knows that Isabel will get to the point where she's happy about the surgery. But at this point, she's like two in the woods because she's in too much pain. Cody makes some speech about how he's happy that they were able to find an alternative surgery other than the rods and that maybe all the exercising and the braces and all the pain that she's been in year it for years will have been worth it. Um, because they were able to do like a more, a less invasive surgery. And then shockingly, he actually gives Christine credit in a confessional and says that he says, Maybe it was worth it. Like he's, he kept using we, but he corrects himself in a confessional and says that Christine was the one who did all of this. She did all the research. She made it happen. And when he uses the word we, he means like a family, like general family support. Like we walked through this with you. And then he says, I just want the best for my little girl. And I want her to be pain free. And I believe that he wants her to be pain free, but I don't believe that he cares to do any effort or put in any effort into making that happen. Not while he's mad at Christine, which is the sickest part of it all. (laughs) Truly. So the episode ends with Christine saying that things have been really hard, but it can only get better from here. And you're right. Cause you know what I bet she, took her microphone off and went back inside and, and was like, you know what? Let me go back to Zillow.com, Salt Lake City, three bedrooms, please. Three bedroom, three bath. And that's the better. That's the better that she's referring to. Anyway, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm not sure if there's a new episode coming out on Sunday because isn't that Christmas? I guess I could have looked it up, but I'm not going to. Oh, it's the day after Christmas. So maybe it will. All right. Well, Maybe I'll see you next week. Maybe I won't. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking.